This show is presented in part by Dodge. Domestic, not domesticated. Auto News. Exclusive interviews. Real world test drives. It's your turn to step into the driver's seat. This is The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. Well, it's hard to believe, but here we are. Another year has slid by when we weren't watching. I'm personally happy to see 2022 be in the rearview mirror. Uh, What about you, BJ Colleen? How's it going? Hello, and happy new year. Yes. I'm I'm happy to see it gone also. Yeah. Time for fresh start. Fresh start, new year, consumer electronics show, going to be the biggest auto show probably in the last uh, couple of years because the auto industry is going into the electronics industry or the electronics industry is converging upon the auto industry or whatever, however you want to look at it. But, you know, during like the Christmas holidays, by the way, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, happy Kwanzaa, happy Festivus for the rest of us. (laughs) There were people that had Teslas that could not charge them because of the cold weather. And I wonder, I mean, I think that's affecting stock prices of Tesla and, you know, I don't know. These really bad adverse weather conditions, they have their effect and there's a ripple effect after it, you know. And so now people are looking at electric cars going, oh, you mean rolling brownouts? I can't charge my car, <laughs> you know, and, and power outages. I can't charge my. Yeah, just think about that. You know, we had a windstorm the other night that was so crazy. I love it personally. I love stormy weather. It just I don't know what it is. It just uh, there's something electric in the air. Yeah, it's called lightning. But anyway, <laughs> it was so windy. My wife goes, "It sounds like there's like like possums dancing on the roof." I, well, that's the tree that was, you know, the the tree was hitting the side of the house and the roof and and I thought to myself, "Man, we trim those trees." So I, I had to go and look, and sure enough, that tree was whooping around, and it knocked over trees on power lines, and power was out all over. And if you got an electric car, what do you do? There's no escaping. So I think that the ripple effect is going to be people are going to look a little harder at electric cars. Your thoughts on that? Well, you know where I stand. I've been in the hydrogen camp since day one. I've never liked electric vehicles. I know that they're a stopgap. They serve a purpose. But everybody threw their eggs in the basket. And I always thought that was a mistake. And now we're starting to slowly see articles from manufacturers and journalists like, maybe this isn't the best idea. And Toyota never gave up on hydrogen. And and, uh, Hyundai and Kia never gave up on hydrogen. So I know they have things in their back pocket. So... The manufacturer who sticks with electric and has no other option, they're the ones that are going to be in trouble in the future. So we have to start thinking about different ways of doing things because you're right. Electricity is not the way to go. Now, I'm extremely fortunate. I live in a neighborhood that's only about 20 years old. There are no electrical power lines above ground. Everything's been run Ah. underneath. So we don't lose power in bad storms. And we get wind here. It's windier here in Nevada than I've ever seen any place else. But you're right. I mean, there's a lot of problems with electric vehicles. And people are seeing, hey, in the cold weather, I'm losing 45% of my charge when I turn on the heater and use the windshield wipers and everything else. And it's, it's just, it is not the answer. It's never been the answer. 
it's a great stopgap for a hybrid or a plug-in hybrid, but a full electric isn't the way to go. So my feeling is that just like I remember, and I'm sure you do too, when Dale Earnhardt Jr., or Dale Earnhardt, I should say, got killed at the Daytona. Daytona. Yeah, yep. Daytona 500, and, and I was there, and it was like a big shock wave that went through because he liked wearing open-face helmets, and of course, you know, that has changed the racing industry. It's gotten safer and all the rest because of his sad, unfortunate death. Now, and I, this is probably a bad analogy to even compare these two, but what happens is we have all these electric cars and everybody's like, you know, saying, oh, we're going to go all electric. We're going to do all this stuff. And then the reality, the harsh reality hits that, oh, we don't have an, enough electricity to go around already, <laughs> you know? And then, you know, it's like the heart, it's like Dale Earnhardt had to lose his life for them to think about, you know, soft walls and all these things that came out of him losing his life. Uh, Hans devices. Yeah. yeah. And Hans all these device, things yeah, and, you know, yeah. better helmets and all the rest and closed face helmets. And no matter how much you want to, I, I listen, I agree with him. I like an open face helmet too, till my face gets bashed in, but point is that here we are the harsh reality is that the car companies are smarter to just give a lot of different variety to the different types of cars that they make if you want an electric car and you live in palm springs great have at it but if you live in a remote area and you've got tractors and maybe you'd like to drive a diesel car like i have a diesel jeep i love it Anyway, um, yes, variety, that's what we need. We'll take a little break. Why am I playing this song? Hooked on a feeling. Oh, yeah, I'm hooked on a feeling. I like gasoline and diesel. <laughs> we'll be right back. You're listening to The Drive. Don't go anywhere. Everything's all right. Attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. It's worked for a quarter million businesses worldwide. It'll work for you. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Well, you're listening to The Drive all across America. I'm Alan Taylor, BJ Colleen joining me. A car show, car guys uh, and gals, and cow guys and gals. Um, I somehow, over the COVID, I turned into a cowboy. Um, I don't know what happened. I don't even like country music. I don't really like cow. I, I do like cows. I don't like horses so much. I, I bought some horses. Because they were cheap. But all of a sudden, yeah, my whole life revolves around this herd of cows. I bought, I was telling BJ during the commercial break, because she says, 
She's glad she doesn't follow the herd. I said, you, know, you had to talk about the herd, didn't you? Because, uh, yeah, I, I do have, I have a herd. I bought 27 cows in um, March, April, May, 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 about May, May last year. And I've already got 47. So I had, tw- no, I had 28. I got 28, 27 cows and a bull. And now I have got, because of the bull, I've got 47 cows and bulls and what have you. So, um, yeah, I just, uh, it's kind of funny. <laughs> I've turned into a cowboy. But, listen, the good news is, is it makes you really conscious of different things in life. I got to tell you. You know, when you're a farmer, you wake up with the crack of dawn. And, you, and you know, if you have chickens, of course, they wake you up at, you know, literally the crack of dawn. I have chickens. And if you don't feed the cows by a certain time, they start mooing. My cows are a couple of blocks away from my where, where my house is. And I can hear them mooing in the field a few blocks away. It's like, all right, I'm getting up. Jeez. But, uh, you know, because of that, of course, I need to have my big one-ton dually. And I have a Jeep. And people are like, well, why'd you buy a Jeep? I don't know. I just I buy stuff I like. And I, I just really like this Jeep. But they're both diesel. But here's what part that bugs me, BJ. I was in Seattle, Washington the other day, and gasoline was $3.99. Diesel, which costs less to make, was $5.49. We're talking $1.50 a more, $1.50 a gallon more for diesel than it is for gasoline. It was always the opposite. Diesel is cheaper. Diesel is, you know, is diesel. It's like it takes less refinement to uh, create uh, the fuel. So it kind of, they're penalizing me because I have a more efficient vehicle. And so it, it bugs me. It really, I have to say, it really does bug me. It really does. And I understand that completely. But it's been fun following your cows on Facebook. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Not literally. Uh, I'm not like walking through the pasture with them. No, but, you the know. Little, the birth of the little ones are just adorable. Yeah, the, we've had nine calves in the last about uh, eight or nine weeks. We had a calf on Christmas morning, and we had another calf on the day after Christmas. And, Did you and then, name the one on Christmas, Jesus? No, everybody says you should name it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, his actual name is 46 because it's cow <laughs> okay. number 46. And then 47 was born the next day. But, uh, yeah, it's best not to name them because I do fall in love with my cows. The cows are the nicest creatures. I love them. They're funny. They, they have a great sense of humor. I told BJ during the break, I got one that's chewing tobacco. He's gone. I'm getting rid of him. He's got a bad attitude. <laughs> anyway. So you were talking about, to change the subject, back away from my cows, it was a, a flying car or something. Right. Well, Tee that know, up. I've been asking for flying cars for, what, 30, 40 years yeah. already? And and at CES, we're, pretty soon we're going to be seeing one revealed. It's a company called Aska, and they're going to be showing. So we're going to get to see a working, full-sized transforming prototype of what is called an EVTOL, which is vertical takeoff and landing. So it's the first electric vehicle you can drive on the road like a car and fly in the air like a quadrocopter. Mm. So I don't know much more about it. It's just that we're going to get to see it. They're going to actually do it outside the ballroom at the Mandalay Bay Hotel. So when we come back to the show, Alan and I will be able to talk about it. So it's going to be one of the fascinating things. So the question is how much is one of these going to cost and what did you say the name of it was right now they're calling it the 
Well, I don't know if they have a real name for it, but it's the EVTOL or vertical takeoff and landing. Right, but what's the what's the name of the company? The actual name of the ASKA A S K A. Oh, so how much are they? And you can't afford it if you have to ASKA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't know the price yet. We'll find out when we get there. Right. But if you have to ask, uh, you can't afford it. Okay. Probably we'll right. <laughs> we'll take a break. Uh, happy New Year, everybody. 2023 is here. Never carries a lot of weight. Never forget. Never settle. Never surrender. And now Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift, the full throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up. With the 475 horsepower Durango SRT 392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger, and the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. is The Drive with Alan Taylor. You know, a lot of people always ask, you know, where do you meet these people that are on the show with you? You know, it's funny because if I had not gone to work for Motor Trend Magazine back in the late 90s, um, I probably wouldn't know the majority of the people I know. But because I went to work for Motor Trend and then Car and Driver, you end up having a lot of friends that also worked at Motor Trend and or Car and Driver, and some of them both, like myself. And BJ's worked for half a dozen or more car and motorcycle-related magazines. But then you have lifelong friends, and so we gather together on this show. This is kind of the collective soul of the 30 years of um, working with magazines and, and being on television and radio. Uh, and it's fun because the folks that I have on this show are truly my friends in life. That's the ticket to ride to be on the show. And we're still rolling on about 100 radio stations, BJ. BJ Colleen. Yeah, and uh, it's been an absolute blast. We've never yeah. had a dull moment. Yeah, oh, I, the only thing I miss is we don't get to ride together on press events because that was just crazy fun times. So yeah, I, don't, it was. I can't even recall some of them. It's probably get us arrested if we... I don't know if the statute of limitations has run out on some of the things we used to do. You but. know, the, well, the one that I'll never forget, and God rest his soul, Ron Moorhead, we were in Ireland, and I took my son on that trip. He was like 14 years old. I paid to bring him with to Ireland. And I, we looked in the rearview mirror, and I, it was, I think it was Ron that had his finger all the way up his nose up to his no, knuckle. No, no, it was, it was somebody else behind both of us. Oh, that's what I, and he was making fun of it. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I remember us laughing hysterically. As we're driving yeah, we along. we called the guy a rhino miner. That's right, that's right. Yeah. The rhinoplasty for the nose, and he was his finger was all the way up his nose. That's I mean, right. Up to, the, up to the bottom knuckle. It was That was, that was 21 or two years ago. years ago. Yeah. Good Lord. Anyway, yeah. the Consumer Electronics Show is uh, in town. It's actually going on right now. It's the weirdest thing to have the Consumer Electronics Show going on. It's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday this year it's not open to the public but it's they never do them on a weekend it's so bizarre but uh, because there's so many companies that are i don't know if you're getting the inundation of emails that i've received over the past two weeks it's 
it's been yeah, astronomical. It's, it's this is going to be, I mean, this is a huge show. It's ginormous. The things that they're showing, a lot of car manufacturers, Hyundai, Volkswagen is going to be introducing their next uh, electric vehicle there. It's absolutely ridiculous. But some of these things are just, just crazy. Now, I know we cover the car industry, but I'm getting emails from all kinds of different robotics. And, and so even though I don't cover it, some of these things I have to check out. And this one is not automotive related, but it's some kind of insect bite solution that heats up your bite so it doesn't itch. And boy, is that important <laughs> to me because I'm allergic to every insect that comes near me. So I'm checking that one out. Even though I'm not supposed to be reporting on it, I'm still going to check it That's, out. You know what? It, this is the weird thing about uh, the modern world. Because it was about five or six, seven years ago. It's been quite a while since I, I remember being at the Consumer Electronics Show playing ping pong against a robot. And it basically is just an arm. But it was the most amazing game of ping pong. You could not beat this robotic arm. And I'm a pretty good ping pong player. And, um, and it, you know, it was better than me to begin with because then I thought, oh, okay, got a little attitude there. Oh, robotic boy. You know, and then I started really doing some slams. And I mean, I had to do all kinds of acrobatics to be able to beat this thing. And, uh, and I did. And I was very proud of myself. And the people were like, well, you're very good. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> weird, weirdest things, you know. But the funny thing is how, you know, to talk about here in 2023, now that we're officially in 2023, the auto show is almost like a dead dinosaur now, yep, you know, and, yep, and the, the consumer electronics show is the preferred place for the automakers to show their cars because there's so much technology built into them. Yes. Uh, and a lot more reporters there too. Yes. And I heard, you know, kind of a crazy weird rumor that, that Elon Musk at some point, you know, he bought Twitter. He's now talking about buying this other social platform as well and merging them. I, I don't know. I don't even follow that crap. But the fact that he could technically, he could buy General Motors. You know, I mean, think about it. The dude's the richest man in the world. He could buy General Motors. He's already working with them. Wouldn't that be weird if it was, you know, everybody thought, well, General Motors is going to buy Tesla. What if Tesla bought General Motors, you know? I mean, that would just be... <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm sure that's just a rumor because General oh, I Motors know. probably wouldn't let it happen. They've got so many stockholders. But I know, I it's know. Ju it's just crazy. I, I just crazy. Um, uh, uh, let me hit, hit up a couple of things at CES. Okay. There's a company that's working on artificial intelligence where your in-car payments, you can do everything from inside the car. So inside your car, you can pull up and pay for fueling. You can pay for electric vehicle charging. You can pay for parking. You can pay for curbside pickup and drive through without ever leaving the comfort of your vehicle. So wow. everything would be done through your vehicle. Wouldn't that be cool? That would be cool until, you know, of course, if you're in an electric car, until the power goes out. Now, this song <laughs> I'm going to play is uh, called Going to Be a Blackout. That is the name of this song, Going to Be a Blackout. Um, my feeling is my prediction if there's any such thing as prediction, you can make one too. My prediction is that all the automakers that said, like, I don't know, Volvo and Jaguar and some of these, they're all going to rethink their electric car strategy this year once they realize it may not work, which would put them out of business. So that's kind of, you know, and it may not be till way at the late at the end of the year, but they're going to go, oh, yeah, we're going to start making, you know, Volvos with uh, gas engines again because they were trying to do away with them anyway we'll see bj um thank you thanks alan always uh, fun going to be a blackout sounds like a pretty 
wild and crazy song. Here it is. We'll be right back. Attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. Our show brought to you in part by Subaru. Love, it's what makes a Subaru a Subaru. Uh, Ed Justice Jr. joining us now, my friend. He is the president and CEO of Justice Brothers Incorporated, America's brand for quality. And uh, Ed Justice and I have been buddies for oh, a couple of decades now. And he's the guy that always goes, did you hear what happened to somebody that I know? And I'm like, no, I didn't. <laughs> he keeps his ear to the ground. <laughs> What's going on, Ed? Happy New Year. Hey, Happy New Year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, thinking back many years back when we were all together at CES, and it always was a good time. Yep, yeah, it's a fun event. I was telling BJ I did kind of a little uh, crystal ball thing, like a prediction for the end of the year. My feeling is that 2023 is going to be the year of reversals. Does that make any sense to you? The year yeah, of uh, reversals. The, the, let me tell yeah. you why I said that, because... All these automakers that said, you know, we're going all electric, all electric by 2025, all electric. All of a sudden, here you have, you know, rolling brownouts and blackouts and power outages. And you heard what happened with Tesla, with the uh, the cars that wouldn't charge because it was so cold. And, you know, I just think that on top of the political stuff that there's going to be a lot of things reversed. But I think that there's going to be reversals in the auto industry where people are going to go, well, maybe we're going to still make some, you know, internal combustion cars to go along with our nice electric cars. I just think that's what's going to happen. I can't, and I hope it does. How's that? Well, I agree with you to a certain point. I mean, I, I don't disagree with anything you said. It's the timing. I think uh, there's a great concern of mine about this time frame that they're trying to push all this stuff through on and it is strictly that and it's being pushed by people who are politicians who have never run a company for the most part never built anything right they just seem to think that they can conjure up something in their debates uh, it, you know it's like passing bills that they haven't read these people don't live in the real world i mean a business would never operate like Hey, let's do this. Has anybody read this? No. Well, let's do it anyway. What the heck? And and the electric car 
mandates. Uh, agenda. Yeah. yeah, mandate. It's an agenda, right. but it's being mandated. Is just one of many things. And this time frame, frankly, there's a lot of things going on here that I think are really, really not good. Yeah. And I think Toyota and Toyota number one is looking at it the right way, because if you go on and you can find a a TED talk where it's called the future is eclectic, not electric, but eclectic. Mm. And this gentleman gives a very solid argument on why hybrids have the best carbon footprint, not all electric, but hybrids. Right. And it's very educational. And Toyota's following this lead. Now, remember, Toyota put the first hybrid on the market with the Prius. Right. This is a very forward-looking company. This is not some company that people would say, well, they're deniers or whatever. They try to paint them with some sort of a derogatory term or, or tag or whatever. And Toyota's saying, hey, this all-electric thing on this time frame that you're talking about, it's not smart. It's not realistic. It's like, I guess Joe Rogan recently had a guy on that actually went down to the Congo and actually witnessed where cobalt, which is part of all this stuff, is coming from with the child slave labor and all this. And what is so hypocritical about so much of this stuff is the people that are wrapping themselves in this to be the, quote, good people, and they have more virtue than other people that aren't wrapping themselves in this, at least according to them, and here, a lot of the backside of this stuff is anything but. It's anything but. Yeah. And so I think Toyota is really the smartest one. I worry about some car companies that said we're only going to build electric cars by such and such a date because I pulse the public opinion, and I'm telling you, the public's not there. You know what's, not there. What's, and the charging infrastructure, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right, right. is long from being there. Right. What's interesting about what you're saying about Toyota is that, and I, you may know, you're more of a historian than I am, but there was a gentleman named Dr. Edwards Dimming. Do you know that name? Oh, I, absolutely. He's a hero in Japan. Right. He taught the Japanese <laughs> how to manufacture things. In yeah. fact, the Ford Motor Company has the Edison Award. The first award... The Edison Award went to W. Edwards Deming, who was deceased. The second time they ever gave it out, they gave it to Dan Gurney by a very interesting point. But W. Edwards Deming is a well-known and idolized in Japan in the corporate and the manufacturing sector. And here in America, he's virtually unknown. I know. He had written books... One of them here in 1982, Out of Crisis. Here's one from 93, The New Economics. This one doesn't have a date on it. Uh, The Essential Dimming Leadership Principles for Quality from the Father of Quality, I should say. Quality, Productivity, what's it so tiny? Competitive Position, 1982. He was very busy at that time, it looks like. But this man, you're right, he taught the Japanese about manufacturing quality, and they beat America. He was an American guy. They beat America at their own game, and they learned from an American. 
And yep. what I see is that they still are using those principles that they learned from Edwards Deming, Dr. Edwards Deming. And for those of you who don't know, you should look him up. It's amazing. And I and I it it occurred to me, I would thought I haven't even thought of his name in 20 years. And the people at Toyota are so smart. You look at their engines. My son comes the other day. He's got a uh, Toyota. It's like a, I don't know, a 93. I go, how many miles are on? He goes, I don't know. I don't know. It's a 225,000. And I go, and you're going to drive that, you know, to Boise, Idaho. I go, you're crazy. He goes, dad, it doesn't burn a drop of oil. It runs perfect. And I go, it's got 223,000. He goes, dad, it's a Toyota. And I went, yeah, you're right. They built such good quality cars that even though they weren't always the best looking, they were the longest lasting. And you know what? They're not going to be fooled by these electric cars. You're right. They were the first with a hybrid and they did a damn good job with it. So I'm going to follow Toyota's suit and say, you know what, Toyota, good for you. You're right. I think hybrid is the best solution for this. My daughter has a hybrid Dodge the minivan. And she said, dad, I will never buy another vehicle that is not hybrid. I think this is the year of the hybrid too. I don't know. I just think that maybe everybody will learn and say, all right, well, we're not going to make all electric vehicles, but we're going to make all hybrid type vehicles. That would be smart. If they could do that, God bless America. Well, budget, (laughs) budget rental car just put out their new terms of agreement. And part of what's in the new terms of agreement are EV. They're going to start renting EVs. And one of the things is they guarantee that when you rent an EV, you will have at least 70% battery charge. Not 100%, 70%, okay? And when you go to return it, you have to return it with at least 70% battery charge. Oh, now, all right. let I'll me talk. tell you something. This I rent is, cars. Yeah. I want to tell you how that could go. Right, let's talk about this. This is too funny. Uh, God rest his soul, Dr. Edwards Deming. A uh, brilliant, brilliant man. We should all learn from him. We'll be right back. Discover the 2022 Subaru Forester Wilderness, the second member of the Subaru Wilderness family. Featuring 9.2 inches of ground clearance, standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, and all-terrain tires for increased off-road capability. Plus, a design that's bold and protective at the same time. The Forester Wilderness unlocks a whole new level of adventure. Discover more at Subaru.com slash wilderness. Well, you're listening to The Drive all across America, talking about cars, the car business, what's happening in the, uh, well, the world of the automobile. Uh, and even BJ was talking about the flying car, which they're showing at CES right now. Uh, Ed Justice Jr. joining me from Justice Brothers, America's brand for quality, president and CEO. Company, what are they, 85 or so, 86 years old? How many years now, Ed? 80, over 85 years in the automotive industry. Unbelievable. And when I mentioned Dr. Edwards Deming, it's like, I know that guy. I'm actually really glad. I, I figured you did. I thought, Ed's got to know Dr. Edwards Deming and who, you know, about his, the history of this man and the great things he did, not only for our country, but for the Japanese people, because they, they learned from him. They loved what they found in him. Well, you know what? Here's just a little bit of history off the automotive side, but 
you know, look, at when we defeated Japan in World War II, and, and it, that's a battle that we did not pick, by the way. That's a battle that we were brought into when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, and that's a whole long other history lesson. And so, but the thing is, when we defeated them, we helped build their country back. And General Douglas MacArthur and W. Edwards Deming, under General MacArthur, they did that. And the Japanese people have never forgotten that. Yeah, that's neat. That's neat. Now, I, uh, I heard about him. I learned about him through one of my brothers. And I was very, I was blown away that I had not been taught about this guy in school or heard from him from businessmen. I thought, this guy needs to be celebrated, you know, for his thinking and his, just the brilliance of um, what he, well, put to pen. So you can get his books, Dr. Edwards, Edwards with an S, Edwards Dimming. Everybody should look him up. So here's the situation with the rental car. If you've got to return an EV with 70% battery, I don't know about you, but I was in Nashville just recently, a few weeks ago, and I had to fill up a car prior to turning it back in for rental because I don't buy the gas. I always make sure I return it full. Right. And you sometimes are challenged at finding gas stations around airports. Right. And it's not by accident, okay? Mm. Now, try to do that with an electric vehicle, with the charging infrastructure, the lack of. Right. And, and is it going to be in a safe neighborhood where you can hang out for a extended period of time to charge an electric vehicle, or are you going to be in an area where you're going to be sitting there in your car, dead in the water, so to speak, and you could meet interesting people? Yeah. Well, you know, to that point, I, you know, you, everybody heard about all the Christmas travel. My daughter came back from vacation with her husband and their two little children, and they flew from Maui to Seattle, and they had a layover, and then they were going to catch their flight home. And um, my daughter, she calls us from the airport. She says, wow, the plane has been delayed, and we're not sure if we're going to catch our flight. And then it got delayed again and again and again. And guess what? Instead of getting to Seattle at 930 at night, they got there at 230 in the morning. So the rental car agencies are closed. She goes, I, I, Dad, what, what are we going to do? And I go, don't worry. I'm just going to I'm going to go get your minivan and I'm going to drive up there and get you. And it's, you know, a thousand miles round trip from my house to go up there and come back. And it was Christmas Eve. This all happened on Christmas Eve. <laughs> so, Ed, I got in the car and I drove all the way to Seattle on Christmas Eve and got there at two in the morning and their flight came in at two thirty. So I had to sit in the cell phone lot. To your point, exactly. Seattle, Seattle, right? I'm in the cell phone lot. There's a porta potty. I'm 62 years old. I had to go to the bathroom. And so I'm thinking to myself, this is dangerous. But I had to go. So I, I went to the porta potty and I'm thinking, man, I could be mugged because now I can't see anybody that's coming. All I got to do is step out of the porta potty. And the next thing you know, wham, bam, 2 30 in the morning. Thank you, ma'am. So I really felt what you were talking about right there. I would not want to have to do that again. I, I mean, I. 
my thing was I wanted to be at the airport when they got there, and I got there a little early. But this, you're right. This is a really bad situation that the, the, the rental car agencies are setting themselves up for failure with these electric cars because there is no infrastructure in place that's going to help people to recharge them for when they return them or even that using them. So, yeah, bad idea, whoever that rental car agency is. Well, and then again, I'll take the contrarian view. All right, hold okay, on, hold on, hold on. Do it, do it on the other side of the break then because we're going to get run over. We're going to hear the contrarian view from Ed Justice Jr. <laughs> the contrarian view. I love this. This is real life stuff, you guys. Uh, I got home Christmas morning at 9 o'clock in the morning. A thousand mile round trip to retrieve my daughter and my grandkids. We'll be right back. It is The Drive. Attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. It's worked for a quarter million businesses worldwide. It'll work for you. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. And in hour two, we're going to have some folks on from the Consumer Electronics Show that is going on as we speak in Las Vegas. Ed Justice Jr. joining us, the contrarian uh, Justice Brothers, America's brand for quality, justicebrothers.com. You can look them up on the web. And uh, all right, Ed, uh, restate your you're about to make the contrarian viewpoint. What was that? Okay, on? so you you said it was a bad idea for the rental car companies to rent electric vehicles, EVs. I think so, and that this isn't well thought out. Okay, my contrarian view to that is based on the fact that I've rented a number of cars over the years, and my experience in that car has made me say, I'll never buy one of these. This is not a good car. Ah. What might happen is people renting EVs and really getting the experience before they're financially invested and they have to stay with it, they might go, oh boy, I am so glad I rented this car. Okay. Because right. uh, I don't think I want to deal with this. Do you know what, basis. Ed, for the fact that I've done the exact same thing as you and my experience was the same, I thought... I'm glad I rented this car and just drove, you know, several hundred miles in it because I would not want this. Or, you know, the other side of that is, have you ever rented something and said, God, I have one of these? It's never happened right. to me. <laughs> it's never happened. Right. <laughs> right. So, you know, right. sadly, uh, I mean, I guess you could rent a Bentley or something if you were thinking about buying one. But I, I think that 
the cars that we end up renting. Although, you know, you can rent a, uh, let's see, what did I rent? I just had a Jeep Grand Cherokee. I went to Maui for a, a week. Had a Jeep Grand Cherokee there. And I thought, oh, this is a nice car. It didn't make me want to buy one. And I own a Jeep. And then my son-in-law had a Volkswagen SUV. I can't think what the name of it is. And he was actually impressed with it. So you're right, though, that people, I believe, that may give them the chance but I still think it's a very, very sketchy thing that there's got to be a better way that you can bring it back almost on empty and they can say, all right, well, a charge is going to cost you, you know, $9.70, not some inflated price. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the thing. So, like you. Well, you know, along those lines, just to, to back up some of this, Tesla's stock is down almost 40% in Ooh. 2022. Now, you could say, well, maybe Elon buying Twitter and all that. And, but I, look, at, I think most people are smart enough to separate the two. I mean, people either like Teslas or they don't. And they recently, in fact, uh, right before Christmas, they doubled the discounts on their Model 3 and Model Y vehicles. Wow. And also offer 10,000 miles of free charging credit. <laughs> so you don't do that. You don't do that on a product that there's strong demand for and that you can't make enough of. And on top of that, in uh, December 27th issue of Wall Street Journal, it, it, it covered the fact that Tesla is suspending their work at their Shanghai factory Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, due to a recent slowdown in global demand. Right. So, okay, General Motors, maybe others that are 100% going EV, Volkswagen? Yeah. Okay. Boy, that's looking good. If I owned any of those stocks, which I don't, I would sell. Yeah. You know, I said to BJ, I heard a rumor that, of course, you might have heard that uh, Tesla and General Motors are going to be working together, that they're going to, General Motors are going to be servicing some of their vehicles in some fashion. Um, yes. And I said, I heard a rumor that uh, Tesla, Elon Musk, may want to buy General Motors, and she just kind of poo-pooed it. But the guy's got, you know, he's the richest man in the world. Well, his, his value just dropped by the fact that his Tesla stock went down so much. But, you know, wouldn't that be interesting? Because he would probably say, okay, we're not only going to make electric cars. He's the guy that said there's not enough infrastructure. Don't you remember that? He was the guy oh, that said yeah, that. He, yeah. He's been one of the biggest proponents. Yeah. And I might add that the biggest proponents against totally autonomous vehicles are some of the uh, keystone people in the computer world. Right. Uh, it's the people outside of this that become the big beaters of the drum and, oh my God, yeah, we're going to do this and all that. The people that are closer to it go, man, uh, it's, come on, okay, we want to do this, but you're, you're, you're drinking the Kool-Aid now. <laughs> That's right. And so, uh... you know, I mean, yeah, you're right. Elon is absolutely, and you know, isn't it funny that Tesla was built on not having a dealer uh, structure, right. no dealerships. And now all of a sudden they see the need to have GM servicing their cars. Well, we'll see what I, happens. I always told people, you buy a Tesla, you don't have service at a dealership. Yep. Dealerships are a very important part of the American sure business are. world. Speaking of that, that's the business of Justice Brothers. You guys can check it out at justicebrothers.com. And we are out of time for this hour. Thank you, brother. All righty, great. Always great talking to you. Thank you, Ed. Coming up next, we're going to do an hour from CES, the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. Be right back. Open up. 
never carries a lot of weight. Never forget, never settle, never surrender. And now Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift, the full throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up. With the 475 horsepower Durango SRT 392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger and the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. This show is presented in part by Dodge. Domestic, not domesticated. Auto News. Exclusive interviews. Real world test drives. It's your turn to step into the driver's seat. This is The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. Well, as promised, here I am at CES, the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. Mike Mansuetti, who is the uh, president of Bosch North America, has just had a press conference and showed a lot of what they're doing in the automotive industry moving forward. And of course, Bosch has always been a big name in the auto industry for me, but boy, you guys are really taking it to the next level here. Maybe you could talk about some of the things you're doing. Yeah, uh, mobility or automotive is our biggest business sector within Bosch, so it represents about 60% of our global business. Uh, you know, and we've been in automotive, like you said, for, you know, there's really not a car in the world without a Bosch product inside. This year at CES, we're talking a lot about the new sensor technology. So the sensor technology that enables a lot of the driver enhancement features that we all like, you know, driver safety enhancing, you know, even uh, some of the, you know, on the road to autonomous driving. So that's very interesting, but even a, a more interesting part is now this transition to electrification. So we're doing a lot of work on the electrified powertrain, whether that be a battery electric vehicle or even a future hydrogen fuel cell vehicle, both for light duty and commercial applications. Let me stop you right there, because there's so many things to talk about. I want to stop you along the way, but Hydrogen fuel cell, to me, seems like such a better idea than just an electric car because there's such a, a, a lack of infrastructure for recharging right. versus, I think, you know, um, this hydrogen equation seems like a fix where the other one seems like a problem in the making. Well, the hydrogen infrastructure does have some issues along with as, the electric. As well, yes. As well. Yeah. But uh, if you look at it from a hydrogen point of view, a hydrogen fuel cell, you're able to go longer ranges with less batteries. So, again, it solves some of that problem that we're going to have with the whole battery supply chain, if you will. So we see a lot of promise for mobile fuel cells, mobile hydrogen fuel cells. So, like I say, in light duty and commercial vehicle. Probably some of the first applications where it makes a whole lot of sense are commercial vehicle long haul applications. And we're doing some work with our customers now with those. And then um, hydrogen is a promising technology, not only for the mobile side of the equation. So for you know commercial vehicles are the mobility side, but also for stationary fuel cells. So hydrogen, if you will, we're doing a lot of work, not only in the production of hydrogen with electrolysis, but also on the stationary fuel cell side to provide you know, energy and that infrastructure where there's currently a lack of the infrastructure. Okay. I like the hydrogen equation because it just seems like there is no one silver bullet right. 
and the auto industry is rushing into this electric car thing. So I, I hope that they embrace, you know, all different forms of propulsion, you might say. No, and one of the things that we've been working on, especially in our powertrain technology, is that providing our customers choice. You know, whether they're still with a traditional ICE engine, or traditional ICE engine, we think that those also will be around for a long time as we transition. And for those that are going either in the hybrid direction or full battery electric or even into a fuel cell, we offer the complete portfolio for our customers so that they also have choice and can be able to use the right technology for their specific application. ICE internal combustion engine, <laughs> just for those who don't know. Okay, so one cool thing I saw here was your partnership with Mercedes-Benz with mm. the autonomous parking, and it's yep. now available in Munich, I think? Stuttgart. Stuttgart. Yep, so um, it was just released yeah. in November in Stuttgart, so you can pull up in a Mercedes at the Stuttgart parking garage, actually get out, press a button on your phone, and the car will park itself as you make your way to the airport and check in and continue on your journey. Mm. All right, let's talk about chips. Chips. They're getting smaller, more powerful, intelligent. I mean, tiny, tiny, tiny. And you guys are making a huge investment in these. Mm -hmm. It seems to be the whole world skipped a beat because of chips here recently. Do you feel like you've got that under control moving into the future? I think the chips and the chip shortage will will still struggle with that for probably well into 23 and maybe even beyond. I mean, just the, the overall demand for this and the capacity is a problem. So as capacity catches up, uh, we've done a lot of investment lately, especially in the MIM side of the technology or the microelectric mechanical sensor. So we're investing in our plant in Reutlingen. We also opened a new factory early in Dresden to deal with some of those things. We're looking at new silicon carbide because that's very important, for example, on the road to electrification. It enables faster recharging times, for example, faster switching times. So it's, it's a really exciting technology that will enhance the overall electrification portfolio. So... You know, we also have a lot of partnerships with other chip suppliers. So, you know, as one of the world's leading automotive manufacturers, we rely on chips. And not only in automotive, but we, you know, chips are in everything that we do these days. So from, you know, from dishwashers to, you know, factory equipment on the shop floor, we're relying on all these things. So we're seeing some light at the end of the tunnel, but I think it'll still be there with us for a few all right. months. Uh, well, I, after I see the investment, I think you guys are going to invest like $10 billion into uh, technology and what have you moving forward. Mm -hmm. No, we're, um, we invest a lot of money in technology and research and development, and we'll continue to do that in the sensor technology. Sensors and really the, the software that goes with it, and then the exciting part now of the AI or the artificial intelligence and the learning that some of these sensors can do, you know, to really improve and overall enhance the customer experience, if you will, or enable, let's say, new solutions that we didn't think possible before. So it's a really exciting time now as we combine our sensor technology with some of the new software and some of the artificial intelligence technology so that these sensors can learn and adapt and can even do more than we ever thought they were capable of. Stay with me one more segment. We're in Las Vegas for the Consumer Electronics Show with Bosch. We have the president of North America here. He's got a really new product that you guys need to know about that is going to be life-changing for many. We'll be right back. It's The Drive. Attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors. 
every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Welcome back. I am in Las Vegas at the Consumer Electronics Show at the Bosch Press Conference with the president of Bosch. Tell me your name again, sir. Mike Mansweti. And Mike is the man. They've won some awards. This new product, what is it called again? Ride Care Companion. What is this? So it's a new product that we came out with to help, let's say, like an Uber driver or the gig economy workers to ride along with them as their companion. So it has a camera in the front, a camera in the back. It also has a nice SOS button, and it's connected to our service organization on the back end. So not only a driver or even an occupant can feel more safe and secure while they ride along in their Uber or Lyft ride, for example. So this is just a box, a small box. I don't know, maybe the size of two packs of cards. Yeah. And you put it on the dash or you connect it somehow to the car, and there it is. It's kind of like having... um, uh, I don't know, angel. a guardian with you, yeah. And and so when is this going to be coming out? Yeah, so we're, we're launching that now. It's coming out now in the first quarter. So it'll be available to some of the Uber drivers or the Lyft drivers, so some of these mobility services providers. And it's exciting. And it's not only just the box. The box is relatively simple, whether, you know, with the camera and the sensors and other things. But again, this connectivity, this ability to capture the data, all very secure, right? And then be able to interact, again, with a live person if you need to. So it's um, it's an incredible thing. We've been working on it for a while. It's It's been through a lot of development. Could I liken it to an OnStar system, if people are familiar with that is? This is kind of Bosch's version where I put it in any car. Yeah, you can put it in any car. It's, you know, it's, it's uh, agnostic. Basically, you can put it in any car, any make or model. And, uh, again, it rides along with you. It's your companion there. And, uh, you know, we kind of like to call it our guardian angel, so to speak. (laughs) How do you keep people from stealing? And it seems like this is going to be a nice thing to, you know, I mean, is it, do you attach it to the car in some fashion? It can be, it can be attached by various uh, forms, uh, you know, just like, you know, a driver monitoring camera today, right? So it, uh, but, you know, if somebody does steal it, I guess we have you on video. Ah, well, there you go. Okay. It's all in the cloud, I take it. It's all in the cloud. All right. What do you want people to know about Bosch moving forward? It seems like you are looking at the environment and looking at our world in a different way. You did this uh, poll of how people feel about, you know, Bosch and the world. Maybe you could just riff on that for a moment. Yeah, we have our next uh, Bosch Tech Compass uh, we came out with. Here. We did our first one. We introduced this last year. And this year we took a survey over seven countries to get a feeling for how people think about technology and also sustainability. And what we see is that the majority of the respondents, over 85%, think that this idea behind a company that is producing sustainable technology is much more likely to benefit 
not only mankind, but from their from their their own good, right? For the business, so that's exciting. Customers and consumers, in generally, are supportive of this sustainable technology and technologies that enhance sustainability. So I think, you know, if that's any indication of consumer behavior, and consumers continue to buy from companies that are producing in this manner, we'll continue to see more innovation on this front. And I think that's the exciting piece. It's nice, nice to see. What is your biggest growth area besides the automotive space that I could see is huge? It seems like you guys have your feet in everything. Overall, last year we saw good growth in all the sectors. So we operate in four sectors, the mobility being the biggest one. We have industrial technology, consumer goods, and also energy and building technology. So all sectors are achieving a good growth, particularly in North America. There's a lot of promise in our thermal technology business, for example, energy and building technology has been really going, and also the industrial technology. So if we talk about not only as the shift comes back for more localization, specifically in the U.S. with all the incentives around reshoring manufacturing, our industrial technology group is really benefiting from that lift, if you will. And then also, you know, consumer goods, right? We saw during COVID, it was great to have the balance of not only as one or the other sector subsided, you know, everybody spent a lot of time in their home and needed a power tool or a kitchen appliance. And that was really good for our business as well. <laughs> that it was. Mike, thank you for talking with us. Congratulations with all your success and what's going on. Appreciate it. All right. From Consumer Electronics Show, show floor. We'll be right back. Discover the 2022 Subaru Forester Wilderness, the second member of the Subaru Wilderness family. Featuring 9.2 inches of ground clearance, standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, and all-terrain tires for increased off-road capability, plus a design that's bold and protective at the same time. The Forester Wilderness unlocks a whole new level of adventure. Discover more at Subaru.com wilderness welcome back to the drive now here's automotive expert television and radio host alan taylor well here i am in las vegas and uh consumer electronics show on the show floor it is also race day out at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway, and uh, joining us right now is John Paul DeJoria. Oh, wait a minute. It's Paul Mitchell. Yeah, I know John Paul DeJoria, by the way. Paul Mitchell is the chairman and president of Indy Autonomous Challenge, and today is the big race out at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway, which is only open to the consumer electronics folks, which I think is kind of interesting. But just, Paul, tell us a little bit about the, uh, you know, what you're doing and why is it only open to the CES uh, people? Well, first of all, Indy Autonomous Challenge is a series of autonomous vehicle racing competitions that we organize among leading research university teams who program AI drivers that are capable of piloting fully autonomous race cars at speeds higher than 170 miles an hour. So it's, uh, it's all about technology development and validation, working with industry, working with academia. We've had a partnership with CES really since the beginning. We debuted our car at CES, the virtual one that was, you know, because of COVID, it was totally shut down. And then we came for our first race at Las Vegas Motor Speedway for CES 2022, which was also a bit muted. There wasn't as many people in person. And we broke records. We said, we made history. We had two cars racing each other at high speeds, going 170 miles an hour. 
And um, through that partnership with CES, we said, we got to come back. This is a great venue. All of the people that are at CES understand the technology and are excited about the technology. You know, the question of why is it restricted to CES attendees only, it's, it's more just because it's an official part of CES. So it's an official CES event. They're providing the busing from West Hall out to the track. And so just for security reasons, et cetera. But we've had, I think, 15,000 CES attendees that have at least indicated they want to come. Now, I don't know if all of them are going to make it out today, but uh, we're excited to see a, a sizable crowd. So with a name like Paul Mitchell, you... Uh you must get that all the time about uh, John Paul DeJoy. <laughs> Just once in a while. <laughs> so moving forward with this, I mean, this is kind of a... I remember, I, I give you a little back history. I, I worked for Car and Driver and Road and Track for many years. And about five years ago, I went to an event for Road and Track and uh, Mario Andretti was there. Yeah. And he actually said, I want to predict the future. He said, the future is that the software engineers will be the stars of the racing industry at some point because of the autonomous cars and all the rest. And I think he was right. What he said is coming true. Well, I, I, I think there's always going to be human-driven race cars because there's an element to human race car drivers that we just simply can't replace with AI, right? There's the human life on the line. There's the, 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 the celebrity associated with it. That said, getting an AI driver that is capable of operating a vehicle the same way somebody like Mario Andretti is able or what has been able throughout his career, that is going to do a lot for improving the safety of autonomous vehicles on highways. So if, if an autonomous vehicle encountering another vehicle at 80 or 100 miles an hour on a highway can make a maneuver to avoid a crash the same way a top race car driver would do, that's going to save lives, right? So it's less about us trying to replace the, the human race car drivers in motorsport, and it's more about us getting the technology to the point where it can replicate those people to improve technology and save lives. Replicate their driving skills exactly. and their tactics. Exactly. And it's interesting because, you know, the motorsports world definitely has a big impact on the auto industry because they learn so much because of the extreme... It always has. Yeah. How many vehicles race at a time? We have 10 cars, nine teams, and those teams compete in a series of two-car head-to-head races. So basically, think of it like drag racing, where it's two cars on the track at the same time. They go out and they attempt to pass each other at increasingly higher speeds. And eventually, one team either can't pass the other one or they wreck and then they move on to the next round. So it's a bracket kind of tournament style. You know, we're not at the point yet, and I don't know that our goal really is to get to where we put five, six cars all on the track at the same time, right? Because the technology that we're trying to prove out and the use case we're trying to prove out for industry is more about high-speed highway encounters. And so, you know, where we are today is two cars. Maybe as we continue to get better, we can add, you know, more cars to the mix. But really, right now, actually, at CES, we announced our, our focus is going to change from, we've only been running on ovals. We ran at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, Las Vegas Motor Speedway, Texas Motor Speedway. We've announced a, a two-year partnership where we're going to be going to Monza, the, the famous Temple of Speed, the Formula One track at Monza, in partnership with the Milan Monza Motor Show. So that's going to be a whole new chapter for autonomous racing is to take on road courses, which are quite different than ovals. The Indy Autonomous Challenge, talking to Paul Mitchell, the chairman and president, and you're out of Indianapolis. So, I mean, oh, you're literally, yeah, you're coming yeah. right out of the main place there, but are you loved or hated? Or, I mean, I'm wondering what you feel like when you walk through here. I'm sure people love you, but I mean, living in Indy, it's got to be like one of those things. Oh my gosh. So actually, 
we're a nonprofit organization and we get a lot of our support and we're, we're really founded with partnership with the state of Indiana and folks at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So they, they saw that Indiana is a place where we're known for automotive engineering, but we're also known for racing. And sort of trying to combine those two worlds of motorsport and technology innovation is a really great thing to do. And actually here at, at CES, we're co-exhibitors with our home state. So the Indiana Economic Development Corporation and India Autonomous Challenge, you know, have this big presence in, in West Hall to carry that message that, you know, Indiana is a place that's known for the 500, it's known for racing, and it can be known for the next generation of technology and automotive performance. I can't wait to watch. If you want more information on this, it is IndieAutonomousChallenge.com. I think there's uh, plenty of room for uh, lots of motorsports. Thank you, Paul. Thank you very much. And those that are uh, listening, you can go to that website and either watch the live broadcast, or if you miss it, we'll still have the replay of it uh, up there for a number of weeks. Check it out. Awesome. From the show floor, it is The Drive. We'll be right back. Attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. It's worked for a quarter million businesses worldwide. It'll work for you. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. Welcome back, everybody. We're here at CES on the show floor. I have my own little broadcast space here, thanks to the folks at the uh, Consumer Electronics Show. Every year, they they uh, amazingly give me a little spot to sit and talk to people. And uh, what I find most helpful is guys like Rick Kowalski. That He's the director of industry and analysts for the industry, business intelligence. I don't even know what that all means, actually. What is it you do? So I head up the forecast program at the Consumer Technology Association. So I try to size up the industry twice a year. We, we try to see what all the trends are and what that adds up to, really. So looking at all the various technologies that are emerging in the industry. Well, I mean, I think what I'd like to do is kind of like just throw some things at you and get you to comment on them because I am the kind of the um, the voice of the consumer, you know, and I, and I walk around going, oh, look at that, look at this, you know. You and I both haven't seen it yet, but here at the Consumer Electronics Show is a evidently a television that is clear. The screen is clear so you can put it in the window and you can see right through it during the day and at, at night if you want to turn on your TV or in the daytime, it doesn't matter. You turn on the TV and, the, and it turns into the TV. So technology continues to 
you know, move forward. And it's doing things that we never, ever thought. You know, I remember I gauged everything. Well, you know, is it something George Jetson would have owned or beam me up, Scotty? You know, but we've gone past that now far past that so let's talk about just some fun stuff in the car world for example flying cars rick yeah so we've we've seen a lot of uh electrification across this whole industry and what we're seeing is you know they're not just cars it's uh land air and sea you're seeing boats and ev talls which are uh, electric vertical takeoff and landing vehicles so you could say it's a it's a huge drone, really. Usually an individual seater, maybe you get a couple people in it. But uh, this is what they're saying is another alternative to, to getting around, uh, you know, flying from one place to another. And they're doing it with electric as well, which is pretty impressive. So, I, you know, it's funny. I, I found myself uh, taking the Tesla in the tunnel here from uh, West Hall over to Central Hall where we're sitting. And I thought to myself, you know, that was so cool a year or so ago. And it's already that with self-driving cars, autonomous cars, why is there a driver behind the wheel of those things? I thought to myself, this thing is already outdated. That's how fast technology goes, isn't it? Yeah, we're seeing automation built into all these vehicles. There's certain levels of automation that are just uh, a lot of it is driven by safety, though. That's really the core right now and the focus. Everyone's thinking, oh, it's all going to drive itself. Those are some serious challenges for autonomous driving, and they are working on them. But initially, you know, we're looking at safety features, figuring out how cars can identify pedestrians. That's a big focus that I've heard of at the show this time around. They're doing machine learning, so capturing tons of data on what crowds do, like on the street, or pedestrians do on the street, capturing video and getting the computers to understand the movements, typical movements of a pedestrian or a biker, anything that would be on a road that a self-driving car could feasibly see and come in, hopefully not come in contact with, but be able to identify it, avoid it, you know, drive slower due to that uh, image coming into view. So you see all these uh, technologies, especially in the, kind of on the software side, really heavily on the that AI, machine learning side of things that uh, you hear about a lot here at CES. It's funny, I remember going to an event with Volvo many years ago. I'm gonna say it's almost probably close to 20 years ago when they were starting to look at how could they make their cars even safer using technology, both hardware and software, instead of just being the inventor of the seatbelt, really be not the inventor of safety, but the uh, the one that keeps safety moving forward and being first to market with it. And it's been a good 10 years that they've had the ability to determine a person stepping out into the street or a kid chasing a ball. The, the car could see that. I think it's even called EyeSight or something like that with Volvo. But if I think about computers, when I started playing with a video game Pong, right? Ba-bing, ba-bong, ba-bing. It was like so simple. And it was really fun. And today, the computer actually is intelligent. And it learns, as you just uh, were talking about there. And then I went to one booth here, and I saw that the computer, the dashboard, can look at your eyes and tell your blood pressure. It could read your blood pressure through your eyes. And then because of that, it can know whether you're, you know, actually being conscious of what you're doing in driving the car 
if you're angry and upset or whatever it is, and it can then give you prompts. So the cars are becoming so smart. That's why the I think the death of the auto show and the rebirth of the auto industry here at the Consumer Electronics Show. Yeah, and what I see at CES is just all those ingredients that are going into the new vehicles and where they're seeing this whole industry go in the future. You just see it from the chips, from all the different parts, software engineering that goes into these cars is just so complex and they're putting so many different parts together that as a whole make up this this whole new vehicle that you couldn't have even imagined 10 years ago. Now, you know, we were maybe 10 years ago, some companies are very uh, optimistic that we would have fully self-driving at this point, but it's getting there. It's really getting there and, you know, they're trying to find the middle ground. You know, people still like to drive a car, have that sense of control, but they're really working those safety features in. What's really changing too is you have this concept of a software-defined vehicle. So they're able to load the software that needs to be in that car to add all those features in. You can look at that suite of features and they can even, you know, upcharge on premium features. And you've probably heard of the, I think it was BMW that had the heated seat feature. You know, what they're seeing, you know, what's the threshold here? Are consumers willing to, to pay for those little extra features? Some might be just paying for maybe more data tracking. Some might be more of the content in your car. So you get at, you have to, I know even a, on a, a Tesla vehicle, you got to pay for a suite of, uh, you know, audio apps for your car. Well, it's kind of like XM satellite radio, you might say. that You know, the more channels you want, the more you pay. Yeah, so it's if you want it, the added experience in the car. So, uh, but back to the software-defined vehicle, this suite of different apps can be altered and updated almost like your computer could be. And, and then that gets to some of the connectivity we're seeing in, in this industry now. Every car is connected and you could even push out software updates to get that new feature. So your car might kind of evolve as you, you know, as you live with it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, instead of, you know, becoming outdated the second you drive it off the lot, you have something that's now part of a software platform or software ecosystem ties in with your smart home and your your phone and everything is kind of tied together. Well, and smart roads, too. Uh, Rick Kowalski joining us. He's the director of industry. Well, I should say this right. It's He's the director and industry analysis and business intelligence here for the Consumer Electronics Association and CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, sitting in Las Vegas. Let me take a little break, come back, and we'll talk a about some of the other cool stuff we're seeing here at the Consumer Electronics Show 2023. Stay with us. The word never carries a lot of weight. Never forget. Never settle. Never surrender. And now Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift, the full throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up with the 475 horsepower Durango SRT 392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger and the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Welcome back to The Drive. 
Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. Well, you're listening to The Drive all across America, but today I'm in Las Vegas for the Consumer Electronics Show 2023. And I'm sitting here with one of the directors for industry analysis and business intelligence, Rick Kowalski. How many, and you don't have to give me an exact number, but roughly how many people do you have exhibiting here, or or companies, I should say, from around the world? Yeah, this year, uh, we're happy to to report 3,200 companies. Uh, It's a lot more. I think we only had about 1,000 last year, and that was amidst the whole Omicron thing. And we had 40,000 attendees last year. Now we're looking at about 100,000. So a lot of good growth. And this is getting back to a normal CES. You know, more people on the floor taking a look at all the different technologies, playing with it, and really getting their hands on. How long have you been with CES? Yeah, I've been with, uh, well, Consumer Technology Association for about uh, 16 years now, actually. So you've seen a lot of changes. Is there something that, I'm going to ask it like this, wows you? And is there anything that scares you? Uh, you know, after you know, 15, 16 years in this industry, sometimes you forget what might be shocking to one person is old news to another. For me, you know, I've seen some of these ideas come and go, but I think what has really surprised me is just the, the capabilities of artificial intelligence, how it's getting incorporated in everything, all the products. It's working behind the scenes to make your software smoother, more adaptable, and just the the amount. You know, once we started seeing, you know, in the like 2010s, all this data starting to build. So we were seeing sensors added to products that are collecting all sorts of data, motion data in the cars. You know, all that traffic data and all you can essentially track anything in the physical world with a sensor, and you get data. But what do you do with all that data? And you know, the past few years, companies have been collecting all this data and not really doing much with it. But car companies and, and some others have a strong focus on, let's do something with that data that's useful, let's learn from it, let's get a machine to learn from it and find some patterns and get something useful out of it. Like, can we discover things that we didn't discover in the past? Because, you know, a human eye, oh, I'll switch over to medical sciences right now, when you look at medical imagery of, say, you know, CT scans or something of the human body, you know, a human eye can recognize, you know, certain cancers or ailments, but artificial intelligence can do it better. They can, they're more nuanced and they can detect patterns that humans can't. And again, you see that in cars, you have these sensors on the car that are looking at different parts of the spectrum that your human eye can't look at. And that's helping the car you know, collect data, figure out what's in front of it, what's in its environment, putting that all together, fusing it all together and understanding how to operate the car in that environment. So, so much power in the computing right now. That's probably the the one thing that's uh, kind of blown my mind in the past few years. The thing that scares me a little bit is how tiny the chips are getting. They're literally to the point of being a pinhead and they're gathering so much information. It kind of I don't know. It kind of it kind of scares me just a little bit of what they're going to do with all that information. Because you know what they say, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And I don't know how much power I want to give to the hands of those. I, I don't know. But I, I understand that, like you were talking about the human eye, and, and uh, I was over at Harman, and they have a product that does read the human eye. And, 
it's amazing what they can do with it and it'll make the roads safer it'll make the cars safer it'll save lives so if we could be guaranteed they would only do good with it I guess I wouldn't feel so, you know, worried about it, but it just worries me. You know, I mean, if you read 1984 and the, when I was in high school before 1984, I'll say it was scary back then and it's all kind of coming true. So it's a little bit scary, but I can also see the, the beauty behind the evolution of this industry and how it is really making life very interesting. That's the best word I can use. Yeah, there's there's a lot of trade-offs here, right? Between your privacy and your personal information. And, you know, policymakers across the globe are trying to figure this out. You know, where do we draw the line? What information is yours to keep and yours alone? What can you do with that data? Transparency seems to be key. You know, making sure at least the consumer knows, hey, we're, we're collecting this data. Let's be transparent about it. This is helping us improve the car design and, and the features and, you know, try to... F- figure out how to improve so I, I think you know you have these trade-offs and and people you know just be mindful of uh you know what when they're telling you hey we're tracking this just you know be mindful of it and for the most part what you'll see is an improved experience you get to see some wild technology and boy that is true wild technology rick kowalski thank you very much this experience for me every year i come it just gets as you just said wilder and wilder uh, when we come back, we're going to talk with uh, BJ Colleen, who we've been walking around together. There's no way we could interview 3,200 companies, so we're just going to, um, you know, toss a rock and skip a rock across some of the cool things we've seen here. I'm Alan Taylor from the Consumer Electronics Show 2023. We'll be right back. Attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. All right, well, this is the last segment. Two tired hombres at the end of Saturday. BJ Colleen, Alan Taylor here. CES, what can you say about CES other than as a hardcore automotive enthusiast from, you know, gosh, I don't know, from the time I was about eight years old, seven, maybe seven years old, I feel like that the automotive enthusiast could be going the way of the dinosaur. I hate to say it, BJ. You're absolutely right. The more we see about autonomous vehicles and everything else, it's interesting. There's really no place to be an enthusiast anymore. You can't drive. 
and you can't work on your cars because you need an electrical engineering degree. So it's it's kind of tough to see the future, which is cool, but there's no place for us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's not that it's not cool because, I mean, I went and I looked at the uh, race cars for the um, autonomous, yeah, the Indy autonomous racing thing that they're going to do today. And I thought, oh, cool. But then I looked, oh, wait a minute. There's no seat and no steering wheel. It just looks like a race car that looks like something you'd buy that should say Matchbox on it, but it's full size. You've got no Andrettis, no Unsers, no nobody. So who are the people coming to see a bunch of cars going around a track? I don't get it. Maybe I'm too old, but I don't get it. You just uh, you said Andretti and there was just an announcement. Michael Andretti, Andretti Racing and Taylor and Cadillac have partnered up now, which is an interesting anyway. But to, so the Andrettis, right? At least there is some still racing going on with people driving. But um, it's going away, the way of Tron, I think, you know, if you remember the movie. Yeah. But I mean, look, there's so many cool things that are happening in the industry that are going to make cars safer in the long run, the roads safer. But, you know, I, I posted a thing on social media the other day of John Wayne throwing his his uh, his little uh, six-year-old or so I don't know how old the little kid was. He goes, how old are you? He goes, I don't know, six years old. He goes, I don't know how to swim. He throws him in the, in the river and the kid swims over to the side. And I thought to myself, today you'd get arrested for doing that, you know? <laughs> and that's what my dad did to me. He threw me in the pool. He, you know, the strongest survive, you know, and the other ones don't. But anyway, I don't know. I, I love the Consumer Electronics Show. There's so much cool stuff for the home, for the automobile, for life itself. But my fear is, at the end of the day, that the enthusiast either has to get real serious about it, and they are, that's why the prices are what they are at Barrett-Jackson and the other auctions, right. or it's going to go away. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, you're right. There, there's a lot of really, really cool things here. There's no doubt, you know, in home security, and, and but there's the robots are taking over. They're doing a lot of things for us, and things that we, hobbies we enjoyed, and maybe we'll be finding new hobbies, but there's a lot of things that... We won't be doing anymore. So it's it's an interesting, interesting show, a huge show, huge show, biggest show I've ever seen in Las Vegas. Yeah. The other thing that I thought was weird, I saw something come across social media that in China, you go up in a restaurant and you put your tray of food, like at a smorgasbord of what you want to eat. You put your tray up on the thing and it gets scanned and the computer then charges you for the food that it sees that you have on your plate. And then if you have a good social score, it'll let you purchase it and it'll take the money out of your bank account. And this is what scares me is all of the control. You know, they used to call it Big Brother, right? Well, Big Brother is here. He's here hard and he's here hot and heavy. So I don't know. I mean, I love it, but it scares me. And the other thing that scares me is AI, artificial intelligence. It just scares me. And we saw some artificial intelligence things that, you're right, are scary, but you're in your car and the camera's on your eyes and it's monitoring your heart rate and your blood pressure and everything else. So you got to think, is it using this against you or for you? Or is it both? So it is scary. It's The future's always been scary, but it's now that it's here, it's scary. <laughs> There's no doubt. Yeah. And the, the one question you asked that they didn't know how to answer was, well, so if you get into a crash and... There's information in there. Who owns that information about your heart rate and all the rest? Who owns that? Is that your private information or can it be, you know, subpoenaed in court? And so this is what it is. A new world is here and it's only going to continue to become more automated. 
And um, so I would suggest that the SEMA organization is one to really get involved with, S-E-M-A, SEMA.org, because SEMA is going to preserve our hobby, the car hobby. And um, we have to make sure that we keep that alive. Absolutely. And uh, it helps to encourage younger kids to get into the hobby and teach them about cars, because if you don't now, they never will, because it's going to be all electric vehicles and they won't care about the cars. It's tough. Yep. Well, two tired Jose's walking. uh, BJ walked eight miles. I walked six and a half miles today. So it's going on over the weekend, oddly enough, the Consumer Electronics Show. That's it for us. It is the uh, CES 2023 over and out. See you next time. Discover the 2022 Subaru Forester Wilderness, the second member of the Subaru Wilderness family. Featuring 9.2 inches of ground clearance, standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, and all-terrain tires for increased off-road capability. Plus, a design that's bold and protective at the same time. The Forester Wilderness unlocks a whole new level of adventure. Discover more at Subaru.com slash wilderness.